We are back for another preview podcast episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or a video drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Also, share this out and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. Um, with that being said, the New York Giants face the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday. It will be on CBS. Ian Eagle and Charles Davis will have the call with Evan Washburn as the sideline reporter. And let's go into first thoughts. This game is very winnable for the New York Giants, but it's also losable. The Ravens are no pushover. Though they have a very tough defense, they're getting some guys back. And they can manipulate us, just like we can manipulate them. Uh, Their defensive statistics haven't been great. Offensively, they've done well. I... I'm kind of concerned about the jet lag, and I know that's a casual talking point, but I'm kind of concerned about the jet lag coming from London because the two prior times that the New York Giants played in London, they had a bye week after. Uh, This is not a bye week. We play the Ravens at home. And I fully expect the New York Giants to end up bringing it in terms of their game, but also the fans. I expect them to bring it. Um... Because it's home field, I think the fans are bought in or have bought into this product that they're going to cheer for their home team, not like other years where, you know, it was just quiet at the stadium and Giants weren't really selling too many tickets. Not to say that they have the attendance rate of the Cincinnati Reds or Oakland Athletics, but just not as you know much as right now did they have in years past. So... The Giants, uh, they're still dealing with injuries. The Ravens, you know, they're they're dealing with some injuries, but I think they could overcome those injuries in this game. Now, last week, I believe they won against the Bengals. I believe the score was like a two, three-point difference. Uh, Justin Tucker is an automatic weapon, just like Graham Gano is. Justin Tucker is a little bit more of a sure thing. He's been the number one kicker in the league for many years. Um, but week by week, I think very slowly, the defense is getting better. As I said, they're, you know, very happy to have Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters back. Peters, I think, caught an interception a few weeks back. And yeah, man, so let's get right into the injury report for the Baltimore Ravens. Star wide receiver Rashad Bateman is out with a foot injury. Calais Campbell had some vet rest. He's going to play. Ben Cleveland, their left guard, is out with a foot injury as well. Uh, Serving his role will be Ben Powers. Justice Hill is out with a hamstring injury. Well, he's actually doubtful, but, you know, I don't see him playing. Justin Houston, this is a big one for the Ravens because of the front four. And, you know, if you want to extend it a little bit, the front seven. Uh, He is out with a groin injury. Marcus Peters rest. He's going to play. Ronnie Stanley's going to play. Though I will talk about something later in the podcast episode of what they've been doing. And it'll also be mentioned in the interview we have later on with Kyle Phoenix Barber, who was a great guest. And I really enjoy getting the writer's perspective. Uh, something I'll leak beforehand is he actually writes for the Ravens website, which I did not know. I thought, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's probably just a managing editor for SB Nation. No, he writes for the Ravens website, and he actually goes into the locker room and asks guys questions. So, um, you know, very proud to have him on uh, the podcast. Uh, moving forward with the injury report, Jason Pierre-Paul, Kevin Zeitler, and Nick Boyle will play. They all went through rest for the New York Giants. Cordell Flott is still dealing with the calf injury. He is out. Jamie Gillen, uh, he's fine. Obviously, you know, that whole passport bullshit that ended up happening in England. Kenny Galladay's out with the knee. Tony Jefferson out with, out with a foot injury. So the safety position is a little compromised this week. Um, Jason Pinnock, he's out with an ankle injury. It seems like he's been having some injury issues this year. Uh, Kadarius Tony, he's out with a hamstring injury. That's really no surprise to anybody. 
Saquon Barkley was limited in practice with the shoulder injury. He's going to play. Same thing can be said for Darnay Holmes. He was limited a little bit with a quad injury. Adoree Jackson, a little bit of concerns earlier in the week with knee and neck injury. He's going to play. Uh, Chris Myrick, ankle injury. He's going to play. Aziz Ojolari is doubtful. They're likely saving him against you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Calf injury. Uh, the next guy, Wandale Robinson, who looks to be healthy for the New York Giants and possibly heavily involved in the passing game. He's got a knee injury. He's questionable. Tyrod Taylor's out of concussion protocol. Leonard Williams' knee injury. He's questionable. I think he will play. Um, then again, I said that last week, and he didn't play. Then you got Tanner Hudson, who is questionable. He is dealing with an illness. Now, one thing I will say, we don't go over practice squad protections or elevations anymore because they come out late, late Saturday. Um, I do expect Marcus Johnson to be elevated once again. And people are saying, well, you know, I, I just don't know if Landon Collins is going to be activated. Now, it is true that he's only been here for a week and a half. But at the same time, the Giants have three safeties, at least to my knowledge. You have McKinney, you have Love, you have Belton. Behind them, Pinnock injured, Jefferson injured, and they still have one roster spot to fill. So they could bring up an extra guy alongside the two elevations. And you look at the practice squad right now, Trenton Thompson and Landon Collins are those safeties. Uh, Do I see Trenton Thompson getting the bump? We haven't heard anything in practice, so I'm going to guess no. Landon Collins, I'm just throwing optimism out there. I don't think he'll play, but they'll probably deal with more linebackers than they will safeties, even though in ways I think safeties are important for this game. And then the thing with Tanner Hudson, if he's out with the illness and he's still not better by Sunday, maybe Austin Allen comes up. Maybe we see him for the first time. Just a thought. Just a thought. So... Let's go through this one more time. That's Flott. That's one. Galladay, two. Pinnock, three. Jefferson, four. Five. Kadarius, Tony. Aziz, six. So that's six inactives. They only have to mark one more guy down. That could be Calitro. That could be Tyree Phillips. Um, A lot of ex-Ravens on this team, as many would note. But let's move forward. Let's look into the stats and also the analytics as we bring you every single podcast episode Uh, Let's start out with the Baltimore Ravens. Offensively, they're 14th in total yards per game, 22nd in the pass, 7th in rushing offense, and 4th in points per game. Now you look at the defensive side of the ball where they've struggled. um, They're 28th in total yards per game, 32nd in passing yards per game. Rushing their 12th, um, maybe I got the ranking wrong, but I've heard they've had a really bad run defense and then points per game they are 17th now you take a look at the analytics they are 23rd in pass percentage they're 29th in pass percentage on first down they're 10th in run percentage and fourth in run percentage on first down so they're most likely a first down run team and they run the football primarily they're 21st in blitz percentage so obviously they don't have wink anymore it's mike mcdonald mike mcdonald the defensive coordinator uh, from Michigan, 27th in pressure percentage. They really haven't gotten home too much, and they're also 17th in sacks. So the Giants are a little bit higher in those categories in terms of analytics. So they've had some trouble. Justin Houston was definitely a big loss, and it's going to prove true on Sunday, in my opinion. They're going to be putting in Jason Pierre-Paul, who I think had a shoulder injury last year, and he's trying to still prove his worth. And you also have Odafe away, Tyus Bowser possibly. Uh, they don't know for sure. Uh, at least Ravens fans don't. And I feel like they have one guy at the back of the depth chart that I'm not mentioning. Uh, mentioned Justin Houston, Pierre Paul. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it in terms of the uh, linebackers on the outside, the rushing linebackers. Let's take a look at the Giants' stats and analytics they're 23rd in total yards per game. They're 31st in passing offense, uh, second in rushing offense, and 20th in points per game. Look at the defensive side of the football. They're 12th in total yards per game, 8th 
in pass defense, 26th against the run. I feel like that's a little skewed because they had that big blow up against Dallas where they allowed, I think it was like 130 or 150 rushing yards, and then that just trickled down to the next few games. Against the Bears, they weren't terrible. Uh, they held Khalil Herbert to 77 yards, and then they held the Packers to a nice number in terms of rushing yards. And then ninth in points per game, if I didn't already mention that. In terms of the analytics, 30th in pass percentage. Third in run percentage. 31st in pass percentage on first down. Second in run percentage on first down. First in blitz percentage, so they blitz the most. Eighth in pressure percentage and 12th in sacks. So not a lot of sacks for the New York Giants. I mean, they're middle of the pack, which is better than last year. But they get pressure on the quarterback. That's what's most important. And... To be fair, I think you could take advantage of Ben Powers. Um, I haven't done much scouting on him. And what I will say is this, and it's going to continue, really lead us into the section of things to look for. Ronnie Stanley has been rotating in and out of the left tackle spot. I think he suffered like an ACL or an Achilles injury about a year and a half ago. And he's still trying to come back from that. It's been load management for him. And they've been putting Patrick McCarry, who's a versatile piece. I think he plays center on occasion. Uh, He can play guard, I think, and then mostly he plays tackle. But look for him to be in on some drives. Look for it to be Ronnie Stanley. Uh, I don't see Daniel Falele being active, but it's quite obvious that Stanley, A, isn't healthy, so you could take advantage of that. And B, well, guess what? Uh, Patrick McCarry isn't as good as Ronnie Stanley, so once again, take advantage of that uh, if you're the New York Giants. Um, More passing attempts than usual? Maybe, maybe not, because Wandale Robinson is back. I feel like the Ravens are going to be a team now, supposedly, once again, by narrative, they are not a great rushing defense. If that's true, either way, I think they're going to stack the box because you look at their corners... And their corners are pretty good. I mean, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters. I don't know who they usually put in the slot. I think it's Brandon Stevens. I mean, he's a solid name. But they, you know, they have a better backfield than we do. And I don't mean backfield in terms of Saquon Barkley and all those guys. I'm talking about corners against wide receivers. Uh, Darius Slayton and Wondell Robinson are probably the only threats to them. Marcus Johnson, I mean, he's got some respectable speed. David Sills really has nothing. And I feel like I'm missing a guy, Richie James. I mean, he'll be part of the offense this weekend. um, But I just don't know if they're going to respect him as much, maybe on third and longs. Because uh, if you're a team that is doing film on the Giants and you're playing the Giants, definitely recognize Richie James for third and longs. Uh, Maybe Marcus Johnson at some point. But... Um, we're still not getting too much respect for the wide receivers we have. What I will say, though, is this. And you could have a two-sided argument. There was a few holding penalties when the Bengals were on offense and the Ravens were on defense last week. The Ravens committed a few defensive backfield holding penalties. Now, Someone's going to throw it at me automatically. Well, you know, uh, the Bengals wide receivers are more talented than the Giants wide receivers, which is definitely true. I'm I'm not denying that. But the thing is, we got a few holds going our way in illegal contact penalties last week against the Packers. So it is no doubt in my mind that we can get some. You know, if we have speed enough speed to get them off their tracks and just get an extra five yards with the holding penalty. I mean, those continued drives, drives turn into time. And, you know, if our offense is working well, whether in the pass or in the run, uh, positives stack on positives and positives could turn into a good outcome. Uh, Complicated fronts to confuse Lamar. He's been better against a blitz this year. I think he's got an 80% completion percentage or something higher, maybe even lower than that. Uh, But he's 
done well against the Blitz this season. They've got a pretty solid offensive line. Um, but with that being said, I think Wink will try to confuse Lamar. He knows the strengths and weaknesses of Lamar, obviously by tape and knowing him from the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, Lamar probably recognizes a few fronts that Wink has presented, whether it's the last few games or going back in the last few years. So, you know, just something to throw out there. Uh, Wandale Robinson, if healthy to get involved. Yeah, I mean, he played 100% of the snaps in week one before he got injured. So, uh, tells you that. Outside runs for the running backs and inside runs for Lamar. Uh, I don't know who was saying it, but someone was saying along the lines of something inside runs uh, for the Ravens. And they're like, well, they're not getting past that front. And if Leo plays this week, it's going to be a big factor because if they try to do up-the-middle runs with J.K. Dobbins, and I know I said outside runs for running backs, um, but if they try to run it up the middle, it's going to be tough, in my opinion, if you have the right guys on that down. Um, obviously, they pass more than they run in terms of frequencies, but you got Leo, you got Dex. One side, you'll probably have Jihad Ward. The other side is probably Tibbs, and then your two linebackers are probably Jalen Smith and Tate Crowder. And then, once again, like based on stuff I watched from 2020 a little bit, um, even though it's 2020 and offensive philosophies and playbooks change, uh, Lamar was mostly an inside runner. Sometimes they would pull the guards out to uh, block for him, and that's stuff they still probably do. Lamar's just improved as a passer. But if they do run it up the middle with Lamar, I'd be scared. But if you move it to the outside and the Giants don't have the tackling, they don't have the discipline, and they don't have the speed to catch any of those guys, I'm still a little scared. Um, there's not necessarily a feature back in the offense for the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins is listed as the quote-unquote number one. But you also got Kenyon Drake. You also got Mike Davis. Justice Hill's going to be out, so... Uh, they'll use some backs to their advantage, and Patrick Ricard is probably one of the more known fullback names in the NFL. And final thing for things to look for, Devin DuVernay is a deep threat. A lot of people think this wide receiver core is a pushover. Now, you take a look at the wide receiver core on paper, it's not really that talented. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, James Prochet is a name. Demarcus Robinson, Tylen Wallace, Devin DuVernay, and Rashad Bateman. Now, there could be a possibility they take one of the guys off the practice squad for this game. Uh, former New York Giant, who was with us in 2020 on the practice squad a little bit, and also uh, during training camp, Benjamin Victor. So maybe they activate him. Uh, I'm not necessarily sure. And then another guy possibly to keep an eye out on is Raleigh Webb. But at the same time, you have four tight ends. So, you know, it could kind of even the blow. And Mark Andrews is just elite at the tight end position. We'll get into that uh, in a little bit. But Devin DuVernay is no pushover. Uh, he is absolutely no pushover. So I'm just going to tell you guys that. Um. Let's move into players to watch. Lamar Jackson is obviously one. Right now, he is the lead rusher for the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson in the passing game, he's got a completion percentage around 64. Uh, over 1,000 yards passing, about 7.2 yards per throw. Uh, 12 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, and 9 sacks. Not too many picks, but at the same time, hey, listen, maybe we can exploit that. Uh, somehow or you know just put it in our benefit whatever he's also got a 97.9 passer rating take a look at the running game for Lamar Jackson he's got 49 carries this season which is the most of any back or you know anyone in that backfield running the football uh, but then again some of them could be QB scrambles at the same time I mean it's just a wide distance between J.K. Dobbins almost 20, um, J.K. Dobbins and Lamar Jackson. So 49 carries, 374 yards, two touchdowns, 7.6 yards per carry, and he's got one fumble on the year, but you know that's uh, he didn't lose it, so that's good for them. Uh, 
Next guy I move on to is Mark Andrews. I know I'm not going over a guy like J.K. Dobbins. He doesn't scare me too much. He's coming off injury, so there's a couple you know names to keep an eye on in terms of that backfield. But I'm going to go to Mark Andrews next. I mean, he's he's an all-pro tight end, um, Pro Bowl tight end. He's on my fantasy team, so I'm going to have to decide, well, do I want fantasy points or do I want a Giants victory? I'm 0-5 in the league. I have him as a tight end, so you know, at this point, what does it matter? Let's go Giants. Uh, he's got 349 receiving yards on the year on 32 receptions, 10.9 yards per catch, and four touchdowns. So he is definitely part of their explosive plays. Uh pretty much that and he's also a good blocker at least from what i heard uh josh oliver is another name to keep an eye on in terms of you if you want to learn more about uh the running system and all that stuff because he i believe by pff's numbers is one of the top uh blocking tight ends which i'm kind of shocked in a little bit because he was a name that not many people recognize i mean he's a big boy 259 well not necessarily because what kelvin benjamin was 243 i don't know Anyway, um, he was with the Jags originally, and then he was actually traded for a seventh-round pick in 2021. It seems to be working out anyway. Um, next player to look at, Rashad Bateman we're not going to do because he's not going to be healthy. Devin DuVernay, I told you guys he is no pushover. So far in five games, he's got 17 receptions. He only has... Um, a difference between targets and receptions of three. So that's not bad. He catches most of the passes that come his way. Um, 226 yards, three touchdowns. His longest reception is 26 yards, but he's a pretty good receiver in that offense. So he is no pushover like I mentioned earlier. Move on to the next guy that I want to watch in this game, Ronnie Stanley. And I told you guys, well, when he's healthy, he is a Pro Bowl All-Pro tackle. He hasn't been healthy in about two years. So, whatever he fucks up on when he's in, take advantage of it. Watch the film. I mean, there's stuff to put on film, obviously. Uh, from last week, they kept rotating him in and out with Patrick McCarry. But take advantage of the fact that they're going to have two different left tackles. And they're also going to have a different left guard. Now, last week, I think they played without Ben Cleveland. But still, you know, is the cohesion there? It's going to be something to think about, definitely. Tyler Linderbaum. Uh, he's not overly wowing by PFF standards. Now, obviously, that's PFF. But he has yet to allow a sack this year. And he, let's see. Bills, they've got some pretty good interior defensive linemen. Um, they haven't played the Steelers yet. The Bengals, they have some solid pieces, not too great. I mean, they lost DJ Reader. Um, let's see. BJ Hill, he's all right, but I don't think he's played a guy like Dexter Lawrence yet. Now, Dexter Lawrence, probably going to get double teamed a few times, but if Leo is active, that should spice up things for the offensive line. And I'm definitely waiting to see once again, if, uh, if he gives up his first sack against the Giants? Or, you know, does he wait a week? Does he wait a few weeks? Giants not take advantage of him? I don't know. So two more guys I like to put on the list. Uh, I'll actually go over one guy in just a second as well. Uh, in terms of defense, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters. Marlon Humphrey this season has given up a completion percentage of 62.1 he's already allowed 18 completions on 29 targets he has two interceptions though so pretty ball hawking secondary only a passer rating of 56.7 which isn't terrible um and also he's allowed one touchdown so two interceptions that's better than the one touchdown and it kind of cancels it out to a certain degree so he's been a pretty good corner the last few years and he's still sticking with it even though he's suffered some injuries along the way you look at Marcus Peters this season, he's allowed a completion percentage of 57.1, 16 completions on 28 targets, one interception, two touchdowns. So, you know, you could look at his canceling out or whatever. 92.3 passer rating. Overall, this is a pretty good secondary when you look at uh, the corners. Kyle Hamilton is also a name to watch on defense as well. 
Um, obviously, we're not going to be seeing Justin Houston this week. Thank God. And then the one guy I want to go over next is Kalias Campbell, who, let's see, he kind of did have some impact for the Ravens when they played us in 2020, but he also had some impact when we played the Jags in 2018 when Eric Flowers was the right tackle. He caused some havoc. I think he had one or two sacks that day, a few quarterback hits. But Kalias Campbell this season, one sack, 13 tackles, a tackle for a loss and four quarterback hits. He's got to be somewhere in his late 30s. I'm going to look that up right now. He is 36 years old, so he's still putting on a show. He might be considered as a Hall of Famer for the stats he's putting up, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm not going to make that judgment. It's just something I was uh, throwing out there, of course. Now you take a look at questions to answer. Um, then we'll go to keys to win, the prediction, the score prediction, and then the interview with Kyle Phoenix Barber of Baltimore Beatdown. So questions to answer, will Landon Collins play his first game back as a giant? A lot of people are saying no, but one thing, once again, to throw optimism out there is the fact that we only have, let's see, three safeties, Belton, McKinney, Love. And I know, once again, there's probably going to be more of a focus towards these linebackers. But you're telling me Landon Collins, you know, whether he's caught up to the scheme or not, I think he'd be a pretty good factor in this game. Now, could he be a spy for Lamar Jackson? Probably not. You need somebody with a little more speed. Um, but it doesn't really put pressure on guys like Tay Crowder and Michael McFadden because, I mean, they will get the reps. There's no doubt about that. But they're going to be put in some pretty spicy positions. Just going to say that. So I don't think so. Maybe they wait another week for Jacksonville against uh, Etienne and James Robinson. We'll see. Will Leo be back to team up with D-Law to add some push in the interior? I think he will be back. And I have confidence saying that. I don't really see why not. I mean, he has a brace on his knee. Um, he's got the MCL, I think it was a sprained MCL. We've had a lot of that this season. Also, prayers out to DJ Davison. He tore his ACL, so he's done for the year. I think that's the third knee injury to happen to the Giants draft class. McKeithen, Beavers, and Davidson. So, not very good. All, like, fifth, sixth round picks. Those are quality depth guys, despite what some people think. But I think Leo will be back. And I think he's going to need to show up. Now, obviously, there will be some tempered expectations uh, because he is coming back from an injury. But you still expect some production to an extent. Can the Giants put up points against a struggling pass defense despite a lack of weapons? As I mentioned earlier, this pass defense, in my opinion, is getting better and better and better. Uh, they've had some issues with injuries over the last few years. And... They're just going to have to find holes, in my opinion. You know, whether they're playing man, they're playing zone. Uh, Marcus Peters, once again, and Marlon Humphrey, two guys you have to respect on the defense. And when you look at us, I mean, who do you respect? Darius Slayton, that's about it. But you will play with Marcus Johnson. You will play with Wondell Robinson. You will play with Richie James. But you only really respect a guy like Darius Slayton. So, we'll see. We'll see. I think the Giants will need it this game because if they give a lot of rushing yards to Lamar and the offense, uh, the Giants will need to kick their offense in the ass and put some points on the field. Can the Giants O-line have back-to-back -back good performances in pass protection? I want to say this before we go into the whole question. I saw the you know infamous question answer thing with Bobby Johnson about Evan Neal's pass sets and the fact that well they are being more aggressive and not vertical I I'm in the middle I'm really more leaning towards negative and I know you can't really focus on the negatives with this team but it feels like we've seen this before with was it square pegs and round holes or round holes and square pegs or any of that bullshit. I didn't get Joe Judge vibes off of him, but this isn't the first time within the last few years we've had an offensive line coach. And this is just speculation. We've had offensive line coaches overall, you know, try to 
maximize the scheme instead of maximizing the players and their strengths. Um, it's very clear that Evan Neal is struggling. And listen, you know, he's going to struggle whatever, right? I mean, he's still going to be beat by defenders when he does vertical pass sets, when he does more aggressive pass sets. He's obviously going to be by, beat by defenders. It's a no-win situation, especially when you're first year in the league. Um, but there were some rumblings about, you know, Bobby Johnson being more stuck to a scheme or, you know, just being a little more, I can't say aggressive, but stubborn. That's the perfect word. So we'll see what happens the rest of the year. If it does become an issue, maybe Brian Dable makes some changes. Um, but Andrew Thomas is playing at an all-pro level. That's one thing you could look at in terms of positives. Um, so, yeah, can the Giants have back-to-back -back good performances and pass protection? They don't send a lot of blitzes. Kalias Campbell, in my opinion, is the only true threat to this front five for us. But at the same time, if Pierre Paul is on the opposite side, if he's on Neil's side, he's definitely studying film and he's definitely going to take advantage. Uh, this might be one of his get-right games, right? To kind of prove the Bucks wrong. Yeah, you know, you let me walk as a free agent, and now I'm putting up numbers. Does Darius Slayton catch a touchdown? He has not this season. Daniel Jones hasn't had a passing touchdown since... It wasn't week three. It was week two. At least to my knowledge. It was week two. Um, I know a lot of people are complaining about the stats. That's not something I'm going to go over right now. Um... But it's possible. It's possible. I mean, if you could scheme these guys open, if we get down to the red zone and Daniel Jones isn't a passing down, I think Darius Slain could catch a touchdown. I mean, his confidence has slowly come back up. He got more opportunities in week four. Obviously, you know, some shit didn't go his way. But you take a look at week five. I mean, he had 79 yards on six catches. Um, I think that's the most yards put up by a Giants receiver this year. Anyway, outside of Mark Andrews, actually outside of the guy covering him, which cornerback will be challenged the most? Um, I find that to be interesting. Now, a lot of people kind of flack me for this. I honestly need one of those corners to go out and cover Mark Andrews. I don't care if he's split out wide. I don't care if he's in the slot or whatever. Honestly, I might put a dory on him. Um, I know last year when we had Travis Kelsey... On the opposing side, James Bradbury covered him. James Bradbury's not here anymore. But, you know, if you could save maybe a Dory for DuVernay and then, I don't know, Moreau for Andrews, we need good cornerback play, not linebacker play, not safety play. Because I think, uh, you know, McKinney did have some issues in coverage last week. Uh, BSPI call, I, I will say that. But I think they need corners against Mark Andrews. I, I just... Don't think that the safeties of the linebackers are going to get it done. My personal opinion. Who plays better in this game? The safeties or the linebackers? Now, we have three safeties as of right now on the roster. Take a look at the New York Giants in terms of linebackers. Let's take a look real quickly. You got Jalen Smith. You got Tay Crowder. You got Micah McFadden. I'm not considering Calitro uh, because he probably won't play. He'll probably be that one inactive maybe. I don't know. Uh, and if he is active, he's probably not going to play on defense uh Taman Fox you could even consider maybe uh Carter Coughlin could be a guy but him and Brown are mostly special teamers so with that being said if they get Landon Collins into the game I think the safeties play better but if they keep Collins on the practice squad and they go with the linebackers they have. I think the linebackers have a better game. My opinion, once again, we'll see what happens come Sunday. So let's go to those keys to win in the prediction before we go to the interview. Keys to win contain Lamar on the ground. He is their lead rusher. The Giants have statistically struggled against the run this season. This is going to be one of those get right games that they have been having. I'm just going to say it right now. They didn't. Allow too much for Henry in week one. Uh, week two, McCaffrey had one or two big runs, not too much there. Um, week three, obviously, we know we got torched by Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. The next two weeks, pretty flawless. 
let's let's not have Lamar break 100 yards, let alone maybe even 50 on the ground because it will be dangerous. It will be dangerous. Um, I'm going to say three things that mean a ton to this game. And honestly, if you want my opinion, I'm more concerned about the defense in this game than the offense. Just going to put it out there. Um, speed, tackling, discipline. You need to play with speed because whether it's Dobbins out of the backfield, whether it's you know Devin Duvernay at wide receiver or Lamar Jackson at quarterback, this defense has to play with speed. And Jalen Smith, I mean, he's a he's a bigger guy, but he still plays, you know, at least half of, with half of his speed that he had in 2016 when he was a pretty good linebacker, and he still is, but you know, serviceable. Uh, Tay Crowder, you know, with speed wise, I don't think he has an issue. He's gotten better at covering, but at the same time, is he going to be able to take on Lamar Jackson? Is he going to be able to take on J.K. Dobbins? We'll see. Um, so speed was one. Tackling, you cannot miss tackles. And why am I banging the table for more safeties, you know, and also a little bit of linebackers than DBs? Well, guess what? Back in 2020, when they torched us, in the running game, guess who some of our DBs were? Isaac Yadam, terrible. Darnay Holmes, he really should not be, and I know it's going to be tough to tell, he shouldn't be on running downs. He really shouldn't. Because I know he's, you know, kind of played well this season statistically. There are times where he will just get beat, but when you look at a running offense standpoint, he didn't do well in 2020 against the run um, when you look at that Ravens game. I don't want the same to happen. You know, Belton will get thrown into the fire, in my opinion. McKinney and Love know how to handle that shit. They've been in the league for a few years now. So, you know, that's why I say play less of those DBs. Put in Landon Collins, you have some even keel. But you got to contain Lamar on the ground. Number two, neutralize Mark Andrews. I mean, once again, for the 90th time, this wide receiver core is no fucking pushover. But Duvernay, you know, is a name to keep out. But Mark Andrews is going to be the sole focus of that passing offense. If you cannot cover him, and we've been torched by tight ends the last few years. Really, the last two have been an exception. But before that, we could not have linebackers that cover. Do me a favor and put a corner on him. If you have to use Nick McLeod, if you have to use some of these other guys that we have in terms of corners, which it's going to be very limited, if you have to put Julian Love in coverage, do it. Um, but Adore Jackson or Fabian Murrow, in my opinion, should be on Andrews. Both have played to a solid level. Murrow a little bit better than Adore Jackson because Adore Jackson is still feeling that corner one spot. And number three, get the offense going in some case. Uh, I know obviously statistically the Ravens look good on run defense, but they don't at the same time, whatever whatever you need to get the points on the board. You can't be kicking field goals because guess what? If it comes down to kicking field goals, I think they're going to win. My personal opinion, we'll see, of course. Um, but if you have some offensive production out of Saquon Barkley and they're not stacking the box or they're not maintaining gap discipline within those gaps, stacking the box, listen, run the football. If you can find holes in zones or you have actual separation and scheming guys open, throw the football. Go to what works in order for this offense to get going. I know I predicted them to lose last week. I predicted them to lose against the Titans. I predicted them to lose against the Cowboys. So I am realistically 3-2. and two. This season, when talking about Giants picks and all that stuff, I've picked them to lose three times, and I've picked them to win twice. Twice is a winner, definitely, on that board. And I also picked them to lose against Dallas, which they did. I'm actually going to pick them to lose this game. Hopefully, I'm wrong. This ain't a superstition thing. I just think that the jet lag is going to come into play. The Ravens uh, will definitely play down to us or up to us, whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, you know, I, I just feel like the Giants are going to have a little bit of trouble this week, maybe rebound in the next two weeks. The Ravens are no pushover. They're a 3-2 and two ball club, and they're looking for a rebound. You know, that secondary is pretty solid, and their offense is pretty solid as well. 
So 24-20, Ravens is my prediction. I hope I'm fucking wrong. Now let's go to the interview with KPB as a list on the graphic. His name is Kyle Phoenix Barber from BaltimoreRavens.com and also uh, Baltimore Beatdown SB Nation's site for the Baltimore Ravens. All right, so we are now here with Kyle Phoenix Barber from Baltimore Beatdown, the SB Nation site that covers the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Kyle, how are you? How do you feel coming into this game? I feel confident. I'm confident in the Ravens to be able to take care of business. Uh, but, you know, a lot has been asked about whether or not the the Ravens should be the favorite or the 4-1 and one Giants should be the favorite. But uh, I think the Ravens are well-equipped to compete with this team. But I wouldn't be shocked or surprised if the Ravens were to lose this game because they are going up against a good offense, you know, with a lot of talent. And then the defense has been aggressive and successful and uh, have, as I mentioned, taken care of business. It's they're they're four and one. Definitely. And just one question right off the bat. Does it seem like Baltimore is, is a missing wink Martindale? I wouldn't necessarily say that they're missing Wink Martindale. Uh, they've had their struggles, and I'm not going to say that, you know, <laughs> you blow a 21-point lead, you blow a 17-point lead uh, two weeks later. Uh, you're, of course, having struggles. But I think most of that was due to adjustments in the secondary and injuries and a culmination of going up against Tyreek Hill and having some young guys try and defend him. And uh, a couple miscommunications. You know, you could tell that players weren't where they needed to be. Coaches didn't put them in the right spots. And Marcus Peters was in and off the field in the Miami game. And Marcus, P- excuse me, and Marlon Humphrey was as well. So those are kind of the struggles. So I wouldn't necessarily say that they're missing uh, Wink Martindale, but, uh, you know, I think they've handled themselves well. All right. Shifting back to the offense, people from outside look at Lamar's receivers and would rather take the tight ends talent wise. I mean, on offense in terms of wide receivers, I know Duvernay's healthy. Rashad Bateman's not going to play. James Prochet is another name to put out there. You look at tight ends, you got Nick Boyle, you have Isaiah likely uh, Josh Oliver. And I feel like I'm forgetting one name. You are forgetting Mark Andrews. <laughs> That's, you know, of course I missed the obvious one. It's not the first time I've done that. Um, but how would you, I guess grade or classify this wide receiver group. Is it actually bad or do you think it's like useful for what the offense is set around with Lamar and all the, all these different things in, in a universe where they're all healthy, Rashad Bateman plays on Sunday. Duvernay's fine. Um, he hasn't had injury or anything, but just going over through it and having all of those guys, a hundred percent, I felt that they were a, successful offense Rashad Bateman has demonstrated his ability to be a number one wide receiver you have to be on the field all the time for that to be the case but uh, he's demonstrated the route running that he was drafted in the first round for his hands have had struggles at times to catch some uh, deep balls and to make the plays on third down but overwhelmingly he's snagged more than you know of course he's dropped And Duvernay has been a perfect complement to this offense with uh, his running ability, getting sweeps, getting carries, but also being able to make shifty maneuvers in the slot and uh, complement the tight end usage of Mark Andrews. Uh, Josh Oliver, I believe, is the number one blocking tight end per uh, PFF right now. He's shown great strides in that talent. Uh, We haven't seen enough out of Isaiah Likely necessarily to um, qualify him as a what we saw in the preseason and during training camp, you know, I, I didn't want to hop on the hype train too much, but I had to write about him just about every day during training camp, you know, because I was watching it with my own eyes, what he was doing to uh, this Ravens secondary and, and making plays. And we saw him in the preseason catch, you know, I believe it was seven passes for a hundred yards and a touchdown and it was all in one drive. So uh, overall, I think the wide receivers though, to get back to the original question, I think they're a talented group. Uh, they were young and unproven, and so that led to a lot of the questions. But overall, I think that you know when all of them are healthy, when Rashad Bateman's back on the football field, I think that they are a successful NFL-caliber wide receiver unit. And would you say some of those issues with uh, the health 
kind of impact now obviously obviously the functioning of the offense but i've heard from ravens fans and maybe some outsider casuals as well that oh greg roman should be fired i mean it, it seems right now your offense has taken a little bit of a step up i mean what are your thoughts on that yeah, the offense certainly has. Uh, you know, week one, week two, they were struggling in the run game. And we asked Greg Roman about that. And he said, you know, we're just missing a couple things here and there. There's some blocks that need to be made. There's some adjustments that need to be made. We'll be able to do so. The run game has significantly improved over the past few weeks. And they've been more successful with it. Lamar Jackson has obviously improved in his passing ability, especially in areas that he struggled last season. He was uh, he didn't have a successful season against the Blitz last year, but this season he's number one among all you know active quarterbacks in, in beating the Blitz. He has mo- the most passing touchdowns with seven entering week, uh, week six, and he has the highest passer rating at 129 against the blitz. So he has the abilities and he's developed as a quarterback. And in part of that, you have to give some of the success to your offensive coordinator. I think that's something that the Ravens fans and and possibly NFL fans as a whole struggle with is, you know, when there's great success, it's that quarterback, that young quarterback that you all love to root for. And when there's failures, it's like, Oh, well, he's the young quarterback. He shouldn't have to take the blame for it. It's the offensive coordinator's fault for not putting him in a better position. But I believe Greg Roman's done a bang up job. They've been successful on offense. They've scored a ton of points. Lamar Jackson was leading the league in passing touchdowns at one point. He's looking great. The offense is, you know, scoring touchdowns at a rate that, you know, you would love to see of any team. So I think that Greg Roman has done a, a successful job thus far. Now, transitioning a little bit to the running back room, obviously J.K. Dobbins is healthy. How does he look coming off injury, and what's the status of the running back room in terms of usage? I know Justice Hill is doubtful for this week. Um, Maybe detail some other running backs that are in that room as well. I know Kenyon Drake is also one of the names back there. J.K. Dobbins will uh, is expected to be the quote-unquote featured back, but that's not a big title in in Greg Roman's offense or in the Ravens offense per se. Uh, Dobbins let it be known uh, on media availability on Thursday that he's never had 15 carries, more than 15 carries in in an NFL game in his career. And uh, he wants to be fed the ball more. He wants more carries. He wants to make more plays. And, you know, it feels like there's a little bit of frustration there that, you know, the Ravens are still reining him in. They don't want to let him loose. They don't want to have too high of a usage after him coming off of a significant knee injury. And they have other running backs behind him in Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis, uh, Justice Hill before he suffered the hamstring injury, though he did return to practice, I believe, today. It might have been, excuse me, yesterday you returned to practice. and uh, But he is doubtful for the um, the game tomorrow. So, well, excuse me, on Sunday. Uh, but I think Henry and Drake was entrusted. He was entrusted with the final uh, drive against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I think he's definitely an option there for, uh, for the Ravens if they don't want to feature exclusively J.K. Dobbins, which I don't suspect on Sunday. Now, staying along the injury topic, uh, how is Ronnie Stanley looking coming off of injury? I know he's been suffering through some injuries over the last few years. And last week, I feel like they were, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I was watching heavily Sunday Night Football. They did replace him at some point. Was that just load management? Yeah, it's been load management. They had him on for a series, then they took him off. And they had him on for a series, then they took him off for two series. And he wasn't there out there for the final series as well. And then he had the day off on Wednesday after practice, which I thought was a little bit peculiar because uh, the game on Sunday, then they don't practice on Monday or, you know, they do film on Monday and then the day's off on Tuesday and then they go back to practice Wednesday. But he still needed another day off on that. So that's a little bit concerning just with how how much of a, a load management that they're dealing with. Uh, with Stanley, but I suspect he'll play in this game and we're probably going to see him on and off for a couple series and rotated through. Uh, they like Patrick McCary and his versatility and being able to come in like that. And uh, they want to be able to get Stanley worked into a uh, full game per se. Now I'm just looking at your offensive line, of course, uh, in terms of the roster. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Ben Cleveland is not good to go this week, or is he? Is he gonna go? 
Uh, ben Cleveland won't be playing in this game. He's uh, dealing with an ankle injury, and he did not practice at all this week. He has already been ruled out. So it's likely going to be who at left guard? Ben Powers? Ben Powers. He's been the starter throughout this entire season as well. Um, he's done a, a really successful job as well. Uh, he won the starting job coming into training camp. He was kind of the favorite, and uh, and you know he didn't let anybody else get close regarding that. Uh, he, he performed well, and he's looking rather impressive in the run game. Uh, he's he's been on polling plays, and he'll 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 slide across the the formation, and he'll be able to make plays happen and and free up uh, you know the running backs to get into the second level. You know, I've seen him go after a, a defensive lineman and then get to the second level and put a hat on a hat on a linebacker, which is rather impressive. And and he showed a lot of growth as a as a player over the years. I just realized that the last few guards, at least left guards, that be, but also maybe even right if they played. A lot of them for you guys have been named Ben. Ben Bredesen, Ben Powers, Ben Cleveland. Just something I picked up on. Now, was, you were saying? it was. It, it's been entertaining, and then they also drafted Ben Mason. So there was just so many Bens all at one time. It was, it was, uh, it was fun to be able to check those off on the, on the, on, uh, when you're taking attendance, you're like Ben Cleveland, Ben Bredesen, Ben Mason, Ben, yeah, yeah it's Ben Power. It's been fun. Now, obviously, you were talking about Patrick McCarry probably playing left tackle when Stanley comes out. Has Daniel Falele seen any action? I mean, what's the status on him? I know that a lot of Giant fans were obviously scouting him uh, during the offseason and the look for a tackle. I mean, obviously, we got Evan Neal now, but obviously, there were concerns with uh, Falele's uh, weight excuse me, and his mobility. What's the status on him in terms of his development? He's done a significantly impressive job. He came into rookie mini camp and then mandatory camp and he looked uh, a little bit too heavy for himself and and to operate at an at an NFL speed level. He was struggling with his conditioning. Uh we saw him, you know, taking a knee on the sidelines uh during when special teams would come on and he would just be slow to get up and then when they were doing offensive versus defensive reps when they were doing some game install early in mandatory minicamp, he wasn't able to go at times because he was just so gassed and so tired. And many were wondering how he would fare against the conditioning test. The Ravens conditioning test is infamous. Uh, Players from around the league comment on it when they go there or when they leave that they're thankful they no longer have to take the Ravens conditioning test. Or when they come into the Ravens as free agents, they're like, what is this? Why is this so hard? You know, because the Ravens have theirs pretty ramped up. And many were very concerned that he, he wouldn't be able to pass that conditioning test. But uh, Daniel Fa'alele decided to stay at the Ravens facilities after mandatory minicamp ended and work with the special team, excuse me, with their, their strength and conditioning staff and get into shape and be able to pass the conditioning test and be on the field and be an asset to this team. And that was a big decision by him that showed a lot of maturity and he got himself into shape. He didn't miss a single practice due to the conditioning test. Ben Cleveland struggled with it four times. He was the only Raven this uh, season that kind of has struggles. There's typically one or two guys that miss like one day of practice because they failed it and you can only take it one time per day. And it's a little bit of a, it's a challenging test. But uh, Falele has seen action. He uh, came in as the fourth string left tackle after Juwan James suffered an Achilles injury in uh, week one. Then they had Patrick McCary there, and they were still missing Ronnie Stanley. So Falele came in and played as a fourth string left tackle, and he looked pretty solid. He's just so big and strong. And uh, But the Ravens did kind of scheme around him when he had to go in at left tackle they had Patrick Card or a running back always chip blocking they had some tight ends doing some chip blocking and just helping him out uh and uh he has a long way to go in his development but he looks all of the he has all the makings of an NFL caliber tackle I assume that would be at right tackle but he showed a lot of fight at left tackle a position that he didn't play a single snap in college at interesting to hear, of course. Now, shifting to the defensive side of the football, um, aside from Justin Houston, and Justin Houston's not playing this week, um, so it's going to be JPP, Odafe away, and some of the other guys you have on that front seven, and also Calais Campbell, Campbell on the defensive line. Is there anything to 
you know, if I was a Giants fan, well, I am a Giants fan, but as, if I was a if I was a coach or whatever, is there anything I should game plan for besides Campbell and Houston if healthy uh, in that front seven? Right. Well, Houston was was ruled out uh, today. That was a little bit earlier. So they're going up against uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Adafi Away, and uh, possibly Tyus Bowser. We won't know that until 90 minutes before when the inactives list is released prior to the game. Uh, you, you have a really good run, rushing offense here in combination, of course, with Saquon Barkley, but I believe Daniel Jones has been rather successful running the football and making plays with his legs. So uh, you have your strength in that offense, and you're going up against a Ravens defense that's struggling to against the run. So game planning uh, is, is certainly to be focused around the defensive line and where you can find your mismatches. Uh, the Ravens lost Michael Pierce, defensive tackle, to a season-ending uh, injury. He had a biceps tear. And so that was their biggest run stopper who also had some pass rush ability. The Ravens have at times demonstrated a lot of talent in stopping the run. You know, they, they're infamous for being a big, tough, hard-nosed defense, and they got a good front seven. But uh, we haven't seen it a whole lot. The Bengals were one of the worst DVOA rushing offenses, and I believe Joe Mixon, or it might have been in combination as a whole Bengals uh, offense, but they had like five yards per carry, and they were getting a few, I think it was three plus after contact. So the Ravens really need to be able to hone in on this, or Saquon Barkley in this offense is going to make them pay. Uh, they have some rookies at defensive line. Travis Jones, who had a lot of hype entering this this season. He looked really good in, in training camp. Uh, Clay's Campbell, as always, you know, big time vet. He's going to be able to make plays, but just a matter of BK is kind of, I think, the guy that you're going to have to scheme around. He's uh, generated some solid pressures, had a sack, and uh, he's kind of been wreaking a lot of havoc along the offensive line. But it's in it's in bursts. It's not like this whole game where you just watch this guy kind of dominate. Uh, he he uh, he needs to become more of a consistent player. I believe that's what the coaches kind of talk about him as. Now, still talking about that front seven linebacking core. Uh, Patrick Queen is in his third year of Baltimore. Why is he looked upon as one of the worst linebackers in the league? And does he really have any strengths at the position? I think he does have strengths, um, but he just needs to be consistent. That's really what's what's going on. I think it's unfair to call him one of the worst linebackers in the league, uh, especially just because he has he has a high motor. He, he's constantly trying to fly to the ball, but. You know, he gets uh, he gets beaten one on one blocks when he's trying to get into uh, to play against the run. Um, he'll uh, overthink things at times. And uh, when ball when, when plays are there to be made, he has not always made them. Uh, last week, he did get an interception on Joe Burrow. Uh, that would have been his third interception of the year had he caught the other two in back-to-back weeks, dropping and easier interceptions, too. The last two weeks prior to that, they, they hit him in the chest and it bounced out. Uh, and this one is is one where he makes a leaping grab over his head, not looking, and snags it and pulls it on down. So uh, I think he just needs to be able to make the plays and execute them consistently. You know, So much of, of it is a cliche and saying, like, you have to be a consistent player and you always have to be, you just be consistent, always be there. But, you know, that is the truth, is is separating good players from, from great. And uh, Queen's a good player. He needs to be better. He needs to be uh, wiser and make decisions and make them faster than what he uh what he's he's done over the last couple of years so moving into game prep and all that sort of stuff going into sunday who are two x factors for the ravens one on offense and one on defense i think devin like if you take out the cliche guys lamar jackson of course is 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 an x factor mark andrews is of course an x factor you know you want to take those guys out of this i think devin duvernay is the guy that you have to go with here uh you know he's been looked at as this number two wide receiver but he played a hell of a game against the Bengals. he was getting carries he was getting thrown the football he was making tough catches and he's moving the chains any means necessary so that's a guy that the giants will definitely have to focus on and try to limit outside of the obvious players as for a guy on defense i think strangely you know uh, taking away the obvious guys on that one would be marcus peters i think and uh in in guys like calais campbell um jason pierre paul is a guy that's 
really stepped up. You know, he, he, he signed with the Ravens on, on a Monday and then played 55 snaps with them against the, uh, the bills, you know, five, six days later, it was really impressive to watch. And, uh, and then he came back and he had a sack and he had two pass swats at the line against Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And uh, I think giants fans know just how talented of a player that he can be. Uh, he, he struggled last season and we found out that after week three, he, he had a, a torn shoulder. He was playing with a torn shoulder. I believe a rotator cuff. Uh, I don't remember the specific uh, muscle injury that he was dealing with, but he said he was playing with one shoulder. You know, we asked him about that in the locker room and he said he got a surgery this off season in Vail, Colorado, and he was able to go and and now he feels good. It's fully repaired. He feels hundred percent. He's ready to go. And it really does look that way. You know, some some of these players, I think, are like, oh, yeah, you know, I was dealing with injury. Now I'm 100 percent. And they still haven't demonstrated the value that you expect out of them because they are big name players. You know, JPP is is a nickname and that's how he, what he goes by because he's such a common name and a common player, uh, you know, in a household name. But he looks every bit the part of, of being that veteran pass rusher that you can add to a defense and be like, just get the quarterback and, you know, and he, he's able to cause pursuit. And uh, I think he's a guy that could fare well against the giants because he's, he's not over committing in, in past situations or in run situations. And he knows how to play defense in both and, uh, and execute. So I think that's a guy that I would probably put as my X factor for the defense. Now are him and Odafe going to be switching sides or does he play on like one dominant side, especially with, uh, Justin Houston being out. I think that they've been playing exclusively on one side. It looks like always been competing against the left tackle and they have JPP up against the, uh, the right tackle. That's what I was seeing against the Bengals. At least I'm pretty sure it was the same thing for the bills. All right. Moving into uh, the giant side of things who are two X factors in your opinion, in terms of the giants competing against the Ravens offense one and defense one as well. Take out the obvious one and Saquon Barkley. I think it's Andrew Thomas. I think the left tackle, I, I believe he's playing left tackle. Isn't that correct? That's correct. Yes. yes so I just wanted to confirm that. Uh, I believe he, stats have said that he's allowed zero sacks. Somebody, a couple uh, commenters when I was talking about that said that he's allowed one, but they couldn't find the the play on it. But regardless, he's stepped up and, uh, and demonstrated improvement there. And that's a guy that if you stonewall the top pass rusher of any team, they're going to have a harder game to be able to be successful. So I think that's the guy. And then on, on defense, uh, I, I'm not too familiar with all of the players on, on the giants, but I assume Dexter Lawrence is going to be that guy. Maybe that's the, you know, the obvious pick here, but I, I'm not too uh, adept in the, in the players on the giants. So um, I would have to go with Dexter Lawrence. He's demonstrated, uh, Tremendous pass rushing ability. I believe he has a couple sacks on the season. Uh, he's really good in run support. He's one of the, t- I believe he's a top six defensive lineman right now. So that's probably the guy that I would assume, uh, you know, if you, if you can't contain him and you get a bunch of interior pressure and you're struggling there, uh, Lamar is going to have a, a tougher day when, uh, when the pockets collapsing from the interior as opposed to the exterior. Speaking of, and I know we were talking about this before a little bit with uh, former Giants, now Ravens, whatever. How has Kevin Zeitler played since coming over? He has been a stalwart on offense. He's a consistent player. He's always shown up. He's he's such an all football, all business guy. I mean, even in the locker room, you know, he just goes about his business and and he, he's there for a job. You know, he treats it like this is his job. And I'm not to to say that other players don't, but you get that aura and that energy from from Zeitler when when you show up he comes into the locker room you know and he just he just handles it like it's his business he just finished up a hard day at work at the office and uh goes about it rest rehydrates and and is on his way and uh that's the same thing you get when you interview him you know he talks football like it's his job it's his business and this is how he operates and and uh you know it's just like if you were to ask me like yeah so how's writing about the Ravens and I'd be like well you see I write documents and I interview players you know he talks about it with you know bullet points of of exactly what his tasks are how he can improve them what they need to do and uh he's he's everything that you would hope for in a veteran offensive lineman that's replacing marshall yonda at that right guard spot after he retired 
And final question, do you think the Ravens will take this one against the Giants? I do believe that they're well equipped to win this game. Um, I would, I would, I, I have them as my favorite. I took them as my pick uh, for the Baltimore beatdown pick them. I think that it makes sense that uh, this is a team that they're capable of winning. But as I said, I would not be shocked or surprised if the Giants were able to win this game. They have a favorable matchup in their run, rushing offense against a Ravens defense that struggled against run, you know, to, to defend against the run. So this is a game where the Ravens need to test their metal and, and put up a formidable fight against a talented rushing offense and a talented offense, nonetheless, and a team that's four and one, you know, you don't stumble into four and one in this, in this league wins are too hard to come by. And uh, I think that overall though, the Ravens have, have started to trend upward. They're getting healthy guys back. You're getting Ronnie Stanley, JK Dobbins, Marcus Peters, Ty Spouser, David Ajabo. Like you're getting all of these guys back and they're all the, they're starters. It's not like they lost a bunch of, you know, depth pieces. They lost a bunch of all pro starters. And, uh, and that's where the value of this team comes in at. And overall, I think that that's just a little bit overwhelming for a, for a giants roster that uh, doesn't quite have the horses to run with them. Yeah, definitely. So, Kyle, it was a great discussion. Where can people find you and your work? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle P. Barber. I write for BaltimoreRavens.com. You can see me in my post-game editions on Late for Work, so BaltimoreRavens.com. And I am the managing editor of Baltimore Beatdown, so you can find all of my work and my wonderful staff's work there. Definitely check all that out because I have some great writers on staff. Mm-hmm.